My name is Serena. If I haven't met you, I know we have some new people here today, but I work on junior high staff, and today I'm going to be speaking to you. Um, we're still doing the You Make the Call Winning with Wisdom series, so we will be in Proverbs today, um, and we'll be speaking about perseverance, but first, I want to talk to you guys. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, who went to winter camp last year? Winter camp last year, winter camp last year. So a lot of you guys will know what I'm talking about or maybe experienced what I'm talking about. Um, winter camp last year, and for some of you sixth graders who don't know what winter camp is, it's a lot like the fourth and fifth grade winter camp, winter camp if you went there. Um, but um, it's kind of a shorter version of our summer camp. And we go away to the mountains and um, we get to experience God, go to chapel, worship together, and it's a really great fun time. But winter camp last year was a little bit crazy. Winter camp last year, we were really excited to go to winter camp. Um, we had gotten like, I think like almost over 200 kids had signed up to come with us to winter camp. And we were excited to go experience God um, with each other in the mountains. And so um, we got all on the vans, on the buses. Um, we got all packed up. We got, we, we left and we went. And um, as we, when we got there, the first night, one of our students had um, gotten sick. And so she was a little bit sick, and we were just like, okay, one of our students, one of our students is sick. Like, she's totally fine. She was feeling okay. Everything was okay. Then the next night happened. So every, throughout the whole day, nothing happens. And then Saturday night, in the middle of the night, like five girls, like a whole cabin of girls, like end up getting sick. Now, when I'm talking about sick, like I'm not saying like, oh, I have a headache, or like some of you boys who are like, oh, I don't feel good, like, whatever, like, you guys are fine, don't worry about it. Like, I'm talking about, like, literally throwing up, terrible, feeling sick. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about. Whoever's been, like, so incredibly sick that it just, it's the worst thing in the whole world. I, it's, I hate being sick. Well, basically, no, it wasn't this food, but by the last day, before we're, the day before we're supposed to leave, we end up having, like, like 50 or 60 students literally throwing up sick, like terrible sick. It was the worst thing. I, it was crazy. It kind of felt like the apocalypse a little bit. But I have one particular story that I want to share in the middle of that. Um, that's true. That's why you make sure you, you're okay before you leave for camp. But it was like a crazy thing. We couldn't stop what was happening. We couldn't stop what was going on. There was all these kids just getting sick. But what happened was one of my students that was in my cabin, her name was Amanda, and I have known her for two years. She, I had known her um, since she was in seventh grade. And so I had been experiencing walking alongside of her as she um, was learning about God and wanting to know more about God. And so Amanda um, was really excited about winter camp. She knew exactly what she was wanting out of winter camp. She wanted to go to winter camp, learn more about God, experience God. She was so excited. She was like, this is it. This is the weekend. And I know a lot of you guys have experienced that where you're like, I'm going to camp. This is it. This is the weekend. This is the week that I'm going to experience God. This is the week that I'm going to learn more about him and all my questions are going to be answered and it's going to be perfect. But for Amanda, things turned out a little bit differently. So the first, the, after the first night of, of a lot of girls getting sick, everyone was kind of nervous about everyone, everyone possibly getting sick. And so um, she ends up, actually one of the nights, she ends up throwing up. And we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? She's going to start getting really, really sick. And she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I feel okay. You know, I just threw up. It's not a big deal. You know, whatever. Who says that? That's weird. 
And she's like, okay, I'm totally fine. Serena, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. And so I'm like, okay, okay, she totally, she seems fine. It's totally okay. Like, she can make it through. Like, she just threw up. Not a big deal. And so we go to the next day, and it's, we go through the chapel. And in chapel, she ends up throwing up one more time. And I'm just like, oh, twice. It's totally okay. She's fine. She's fine. And then we're like, I'm like, she can stay. She really wanted to stay. She really wanted to learn, uh, learn more about God and experience God this weekend. And so we're walking back to um, the cabin after ch- the morning chapel. And she's like, seems fine. She's like, yeah, I feel okay, whatever. And then she turns to the side and she's just like, oh, no. You know, you know that feeling when you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to throw up. And she just throws up all on the side of the road. It was disgusting. It was so gross. And that was the moment where I was like, this is it. She has to go home. Like, she's sick. She cannot stay here any longer. Like, the wise decision is to send her home. And I was, like, so sad because she so desperately wanted to experience God. She had such um, a heart to learn more about him. And she was determined to stay the whole week and have her moment and have her time with God. But for her, the wise decision wasn't to stay because she wasn't enjoying herself. She wasn't having a fun time. She was throwing up. No one likes to throw up, really. If you really want to be honest, no one likes throwing up. But the wise decision, even though she wanted to learn so much about God, and her goal was so good, you know, it was so, she was so excited. But the wise decision was to send her home because she was feeling sick. So what I'm going to be talking about today is perseverance perseverance. So we're going to be in Proverbs. So Proverbs 6, 6. If you guys can all flip to Proverbs, that would be wonderful. I believe it's page 514. Yeah, 514 in the blue Bibles. Or if you brought your own Bible, just flip to Proverbs. It's after Psalms. Um, Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8. So Proverbs 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. I'm going to read that one more time. Okay. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer, and it gathers its food at harvest. Okay, right away. It's telling me to go to the ant. Well, first in the first verse, it says that word sluggard. I was like kind of, I don't like that word. It was like a confusing word to me. That kind of means sluggish or lazy, so it's kind of calling us out a little bit. It's like, hey, go to the ant. Look to the ant, you sluggard. You're lazy, you lazy person. Like, oh, cool, thanks, Bible. You're awesome. But it's telling us to go to the ant. Now, I don't know about you guys, I hate ants. Ants are really annoying. Ants like crawl all over you and they get everywhere. Like you just set something down for a second and you look away and then all of a sudden there's like a million ants and you're like, this is so annoying. You're really annoying. They're like really determined. They're very determined. And so when I was reading this, I was like, what can I learn from the ant? What about the ant is wise? I don't really see anything special about ants. They're just really annoying bugs. I mean, if you stay around Mariner's, like, student center enough, you'll see, like, a million ants. They just get everywhere. 
Um, and sometimes when I'm meeting with Justin, if I'm in his office, like, he'll, like, see an ant crawling on his wall, and he'll be like, hold on. And then he'll, like, go and, like, kill the ant. <laughs> He's so, like, distracted by them. But, so I'm, like, sitting here, and I'm like, I don't really see what's so special about ants. But when you look at the ant versus the fly, you kind of learn something. When you look at another insect, another bug, the fly, when they get trapped in a car, has anyone ever experienced this? When you have like a fly trapped in your car and they're like, all the windows are up and they're like freaking out, they're flying all over the place and then they see an exit. They see the window and they're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out that way and then they fly right into the glass and you're like, oh, what is it doing? It just keeps going and going and going, like continually slamming itself into the glass because it sees outside and it thinks, this is the way that I have to go. This is the way that I'm going to get out of this car is through this glass. Somehow I'm going to like have superpowers and break through this glass window. And you're like, you're a fly. What are you doing? And then you try to roll down the window and it still doesn't go out the window because it's like, no, this is the way I'm going. I'm going out this, this other glass window. And you're like, fly. And you have to like coerce it out the window. Or it just keeps trying and trying and trying and trying until it just drops dead. And you're like, wow, you're really not smart. But when you look at ants, ants are different. When an ant an ant has its path to where it wants to go. They follow each other in a straight line. They help each other out to get to their goal. But when you place an obstacle in its way, like if you place a stick, like I don't know if any of you boys have done this. Probably you did. Maybe some girls have done this too. But like you're like see like a long like just string of ants and then you just put a stick in their way to disrupt them. And now ants, they'll try to get over it. They'll try to move it. But if they can't, they go around it. Unlike the fly, the fly who just keeps continually trying and trying and trying and trying again until it dies. Ants are the wise ones because sometimes we think that flies are the ones who persevere. We kind of look and see that trying and trying and trying and trying again is what perseverance is. But when we look at the ant, like the verse says, when we go to the ant and we search for its wisdom, we can see that in its actions, perseverance looks a little bit different. They go around their obstacles to find their goal, to get to their goal. And so when I look at the ant versus the fly, when I find out about perseverance, when I want to know about perseverance, I see that perseverance is making wise decisions when there are obstacles in the way of your goal when there are obstacles in the way of your goal. And so when something unpredictable happens, when something messes up our plans or comes in our way of what we're trying to go and achieve or go and do, that we don't simply just do the same thing over and over again, like the fly. That we don't just freak out and maybe give up, but that we make a wise decision to change our plans that we go around the obstacle. Now, with camp, when I was at camp, I really wanted Amanda to experience God at camp. I knew that she was really excited, and I was so excited for her. I was so wanting her to learn more about God and have this moment with God. But the wise decision wasn't to go and continue having her be there because she wasn't going to get anything out of it. She was sick. She wasn't having fun. She wasn't experiencing 
what camp really is about because she wasn't feeling good. And we had to keep hiding her from being sick from the nurse. But the wise decision was to send her home. Now, Amanda's desire for God wasn't going to leave her. Amanda's desire and wanting and knowing who God is wasn't gone. It was still there. So for Amanda, when she came back home, she would have to hold on to and remember what that feeling was. She would have to remember that I really want to learn and know about God. And the way that she was going to do that was going to look a lot different than how she first thought it was going to be. She first thought that going to camp and experiencing God at camp was going to be the answer. But what she would have to do when she came back home was that she would have to look around and see the places that she could experience God around here, at church, with her friends, with her parents, through the Bible. She would have to find a different way. She would have to go around that obstacle that came in her way, that disrupted her plan. Her plan got disrupted, and she would have to find a new way to reach her goal. And so, for me, what I see, there's a couple things that we need to to have, that we need to know to be able to persevere, to be able to, to make wise decisions and to go around that obstacle to achieve our goal. The first thing is that we have to know who we are and what our goal is. We have to know and remember and hold on to who we are and what our goal is. And so, who are we? Sometimes, sometimes I forget that. Who, who are we? Well, if we go back to the beginning of the Bible, if we go to Genesis, in Genesis, it's in the creation story, when God creates humans, it talks about how God created us like him, in the image of God. That God created us like him. That we were the only creation that the only piece of creation, the only thing that he created that was in the image of God. He, he loves us so much that he would do that. He has appointed us and, and cares for us so much. We are his most prized creation. And that is who we are. That is what it says we are in the Bible. That is what he says we are. We are his most prized creation and that he has appointed us to take care of every other piece of creation. He has appointed us and chosen us to take care of everything else. That is how much he loves us. And that's who we are. We are made in the image of God and we are God's most prized creation. And so, as Christians... What does that mean our goal is? What is our goal? What is something we are trying to accomplish in life? Well, our goal is to become more like Jesus. Our goal is to make our lives look and become more, a lot like his. Obviously, we're not necessarily going to be exactly Jesus. But our goal is to become more and more like Jesus. And we have to know our goals. We have to know who we are and what our goal is so that when obstacles come in the way, when things get a little bit messy, when our plans get disrupted, we can remember and hold on to what the truth is, 
we can hold on to who we are and what our goals were at the beginning. And, you know, I know for you guys, some of you have been struggling with a lot of things that you're trying to do. You've been struggling with maybe inviting a friend to church. I know I've talked to a couple of you who said, I'm inviting this friend. I know that I'm supposed to invite them. I know that God has put them on my heart, and I want to invite them to church. And I keep trying, and I keep trying, and they just keep turning me down. And what I would say to you is that maybe it might look a little bit different than what we think. That though, the way that we, are, we keep inviting and we keep inviting and it's difficult and it's hard and it just doesn't work sometimes, but it might come out and it might look a little bit different. And so my second thing is that we have to be ready for unpredictability. To be able to persevere, to be able to make wise decisions, when obstacles get in our way towards our goal, we have to be ready for unpredictability. Um, in Matthew, kind of at the beginning of, of Matthew, of the Gospel of Matthew, um, one of the first little things that we, ta- we learn about Jesus' life is that um, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. And so... Um, after he gets baptized, so he goes and gets baptized. After he gets baptized, he comes out of the water and something really cool happens. It'd be really awesome if this happened in like my life. I'd really love that picture. It'd be cool because basically what happens is like the heavens opens up and this voice of God like beams down and says, this is my son with whom I am pleased. This is my son with whom I am pleased. And wouldn't it be really cool if like God just spoke to us like that, just like, uh, and they just like said it. Doesn't happen like that for me sometimes. But for Jesus, this is what happened. He, God, directly tells him and states it in front of all the people that are there that this is my son with whom I am pleased. He gives him his identity. He tells him exactly who he is. And so, but right after that, like right, in the, right after Matthew, after that section where Jesus gets baptized, it directly goes into Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness and to be tempted by J- uh, Satan, <laughs> to be temp- tempted by Satan. And so um, the first thing that Satan actually questions Jesus on is that he questions He says, he says the words, if you are the son of God, he questions Jesus by saying, if you are the son of God, then you can turn this rock into bread. And so it's kind of crazy to me because it's funny how Jesus just gets baptized and basically gets told, hey, you're the son of God. You are my son with whom I am pleased. God directly tells Jesus. And then he goes right into the wilderness, and he basically gets questioned right away if he is the son of God. He gets questioned. His identity gets questioned with whom God just told him. And it's so funny because I think for us, you know, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus got that wrong, if Jesus got the answer wrong to that, like, hey, like, let me just pause and think. Am I the son of God? Well, God just told me that I am his son, so I'm not really sure. Should I, should I say yes? Should I say no? 
Like, that's kind of silly, right? He just told them, if you're the son of God, he just told him that. So if Jesus was like, I don't know, let me try, let me test it out. It's like, no, silly, you are, God just told you. And Jesus didn't need to prove it to Satan. But it's so often that in that space between God telling us exactly who we are and someone else questioning it, that we forget. That it's so often in that space between God telling us exactly who he has made us to be, who he created us, and someone questioning it, that we just forget that. That we forget what God said and we don't hold on to that truth. And it's so easy because at school and at home for you guys, it's crazy sometimes. Because we're there and we've like, we've experienced church, we've experienced God, or we've learned something and we're so excited about Jesus and we're so excited about it. Our, our, we're excited about our relationship with him. And so you go to school and the next day on Monday and you're like, people are asking you, hey, what did you do, what did you do this weekend? And you're like, oh, I, I went to church. It was so awesome. We had this really cool worship, and there was awesome teaching, and it was so awesome. I had so much fun. I love God. And people are like, what? What are you talking about? You, like, you went to church this weekend? Dude, I slept in, and I ate pancakes. Like, you're super lame. And you're like, what? Wait, oh, am I lame? And people start questioning you, and people start making fun of you, and it's so hard to remember what who we are and what our goal is. It's so hard for us to remember that because we have all these people in our everyday life questioning us and making fun of us or telling us differently. And it's hard because we wanna be a part of certain friend groups and we see all these people doing things and maybe doing things that we don't really agree with, but we wanna be friends with them and we wanna be a part of it. And so, we stand there and we're like, well, I don't really necessarily want to do that. And people are like, why don't you want to do that? We're like, I just don't think it's right. And, and, and they just start making fun of you because it's like, oh, well, whatever, you're lame, you're, you're uncool. And you start feeling lonely or you start feeling like you're not cool or you're not, you feel sad or frustrated or hurt. And it's really difficult. I know that happened to me all the time in junior high and high school. I, it's still difficult sometimes to talk about what I do because I'm afraid of people questioning, questioning me, who I am and what my goal is. But to persevere, we have to be ready for those times. We have to be ready for when things become in unpredictable. We have to be ready for when those obstacles happen because things in your life will get a little bit crazy. It's so easy right now to think, oh, I'm gonna have an easy life and it's gonna be wonderful and no one's gonna question me about God and no one's gonna question me about Jesus. But there will be times in your life where you are faced with a decision to remember what God has said to you, what, remember how, who God created you, and to remember what your goal is. You'll be questioned and you'll be faced in that time and it'll be difficult for you guys. It'll be difficult. We need to hold on to our goal when those times become unpredictable. We have to remember. And it's hard. It's hard to remember that, that, that becoming like Jesus is what's important. It's hard to remember that that is what God has called us to do. Because we have all these people and all these things around us that distract us 
and that make it easy for us to question or to become tired or that we just don't want to do it. But we need to remember who God has called us to be and, and who he has made us to be and what our goal is. You know, this, the place that Jesus got led into when he was tempted by Satan, the wilderness is what it says in the Bible, is the desert. Now, the desert is a really, like, I don't really like the desert. I hate the heat. I don't like sand. Like, it just seems like a terrible place. Basically, where Jesus gets led into is, like, a, just mountains of sand. Like, for as far as you can see, crazy mountains of sand and nothing. Literally nothing. There's no water. There's not a lot of food. It's really unpredictable. It's very unpredictable. The place that Jesus gets led into is lonely. There's not a lot of people. You don't know when you're going to have water. You don't know when you're going to have food. And it's just, it's not fun. I can imagine Jesus being about to be tempted by Satan and have feeling all of these things, probably feeling lonely, hungry, frustrated, annoyed. And he was sitting there and he's, he's being questioned by Satan. And it would have been probably really easy to just forget what God had said. It probably would have been so easy for, for him to just let go of those things. And just say, I'm not really sure. I'm really hungry. I'm really sad. I'm really lonely. I'm really tired. But to persevere, we need to know who we are and what our goal is. And we have to be ready for unpredictability. And the thing that Jesus did in the desert, what he did, the wise decision that he made to persevere was to trust what God had said. He trusted what, had God said, what God had said to him when he was baptized. He trusted who God created him to be. And he knew and trusted the goal that God had given him. That was the wise decision, was he trusted what God had said. He held on to that. He didn't stand there and just go, I'm not sure, I don't know, it's really, it's really lonely here. And that leads into the third thing, to be able to persevere, the third thing that we need is to be wise in how we respond. When Jesus gets tempted, instead of just saying like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not really sure, like, let me check, let me see, let me prove myself to you, Satan, he's like, no. What Jesus does is he pulls out scripture. He pulls out words that God has promised to him. He holds on to those things. And so in Matthew, like, it says, the first thing that Satan tempts him is it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus pulls out Bible verses, and he's saying, no, I do not need to prove myself to you because God has told me exactly who I am. And he has promised me these words and he has written them down for me to hold on to when things get a little bit rough. And so we need to be wise in how we respond. He knows his goal is not to just give in. 
but to hold on to the words and the truth that God has given him. You know, when the ant, when the ant has an obstacle in the way, the ant and the fly, the ant who is wise, it doesn't just get stuck. It doesn't just hurt itself over and over and again by ramming into the stick or the obstacle that's in its way. It tries and it fails and it changes its path. It knows its goal is important. It knows it's determined to get to its goal. And so I think for us, maybe being wise in this situation is maybe letting go of, letting go of how, like, how we get to our goals. Letting go of our ideas of how we are going to get our goal. Because for us, we all think that we have certain plans and these ideas of how we're going to get this goal or achieve something or become something. And we think it's supposed to look a certain way. But it's not necessarily going to look the way that you think it's going to. It probably won't. And so for us, the, the wise decision, the wise response that we have is to hold on to the truth that God has given us and to let go of our ideas of how we're going to get that goal, to let go of how that's going to look. And we think that it's going to look a particular way. And so many stories in the Bible, if you guys don't read your Bible, there's like a lot of really fun, cool stories to you. It may not seem fun, but they're awesome. Like, there's Moses parting the Red Sea and Joseph who ends up like he's the youngest brother and he ends up taking over and like being in charge of all his older brothers. It's pretty cool. And there's David. But all of those stories have one thing in common. Jesus or God calls all of them out. He says, you are going to be this great, awesome person that does these great and awesome things. He calls them out, but then... It takes them like 40 plus years to get those, those goals. It takes them so long to become the people that God has told them. And it was, I can imagine being in that time, being in that time span and being like, wait, God, are you still sure that this is what you've told me to do? Is this, are you so sure that this is what you have said I am? And it's so hard to remember in that time and I can imagine being, being there and frustrated and upset and hard. But what God said to them was, you need to hold on to what I've said and what I've called you. Hold on to what I've said and what I've called you. Just keep doing it for a little bit longer, and I will give those things to you. And he does. He comes through with what he says. But it looks a little bit differently than the three of those guys ever thought. I think for me personally, the thing that I struggle with a lot is that in my life, the way that I want it to be doesn't actually come out the way that it's going to be. For me, I struggled with possibly finding exactly what I want to do in life. Like now I'm an adult and I kind of have to figure out what like I want to do for a career. And eventually you guys will have to do and figure that out. But for me, I've, ha I've struggled with maybe beginning my college life and thinking that I'm going to do one thing and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I, this is who I'm going to be. And I had to let that go. And I went for two years not knowing exactly what I wanted. I went for two years being unsure of myself and what God had called me to. And then I interned at Mariners and I was like, okay, God, I have no idea if this is going to be anything of what you want. 
but I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to see if you're going to give something to me in this. And so I let go of my idea of how it was going to look that I would find my way. And in that, God opened up my eyes and my heart to caring and being with you guys. He opened up my heart for teaching and to being at this church. And then I got a job here. And basically what happened in that is that that wasn't the end of my story. My story wasn't done with, oh, I got a job, and now I know what I'm doing, and now I'm doing it, and it's awesome. The frustrating thing about that story is that I still had to go to school to become, to become the thing that God had already called me and what I'm doing. I had to go to school, and it's so frustrating. It's so hard for me because I have to do homework, and I have to go to school, and it's busy, and it's, and it's annoying, and it's boring, and I don't like it. It's not fun at times, and it's frustrating. But for me, I've had to hold on to what God has told me. I've had to hold on to what God has said to me. I've had to say, God, you want me to learn something. You want me to learn exactly what you have called me to be. You want me to learn something in the middle of this, even though it's frustrating and it seems backwards and it's annoying. You have called me to work here and I need to learn and wait till the day that you that I will accomplish exactly what you want for me. And it's hard and it's frustrating. And, and my, my question to you guys, my question for you guys is, what, what is the wise decision that you guys need to make in your lives? What are the wise decisions that you need to make at home or at school or here at church? What are the wise decisions that you have to make when there's obstacles in your way and you're frustrated and you're annoyed and you just want to give up? What are some things you have to let, let go and give to God? And maybe some of you guys feel like you're in a desert and you feel like you're alone and you don't know what's happening and you feel like, I've forgotten what God has called me to, I've forgotten what God, who God has said and created me to be. Maybe some of you have forgotten that. And if you have and you need help and you want to talk to someone and just ask them questions, there'll be some leaders in the back and feel free to pray with them. We also have prayer walls on the side and those are letters to God. Those are messages to God that you are writing for them, to him. And the last place of response is that we will be singing, we will sing a song and I just encourage you guys to, to really look at the words and really um, see what you are singing about. So I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to respond together. Dear God, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for these students. I thank you for um, your love for us, that you have created us in your image, that you have made, you, we are your most prized creation. Lord, I just pray that these students would know this as they walk into school this week, as they walk into groups with friends this week. Lord, I just pray that maybe these students would see that their wise decision would be to let go of some places that they're involved in. That maybe they'd have to step away from some friends or, or maybe just choose a wise thing to do in the midst of that. 
Lord, I just pray that these students would see that this week and that they would be able to remember who you, who you have said that they are and who, um, what their goal is. Lord, I just pray that um, you'd be with them this week and that you would, you would pour out your love onto them. And I just pray this in your name. Amen.